0: Welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. I'm Ross Furukawa, and I'm here with Matt Hall. What's up, Matt Hall?
1: Hey, how you doing? Hey, we got to introduce ourselves because people don't know who's who. Yeah, we
0: yeah. We had a lot of requests of people like, "Who are these two people?" I guess we didn't do that last time. Yeah, and I think it's in I think it's in the podcast uh, notes. But I'm Ross Furukawa. I'm the publisher of the Santa Monica Daily Press. We have Matt Hall.
1: I mean, I'm the, I'm the editor.
0: He's the editor, and we have a co publisher, uh, Todd James, who you'll hear from. At some point, yeah,
1: eventually. He's, Todd always
0: threatens to come on
1: the podcast,
0: but then, yeah, and then he's not, he doesn't. <laughs> and you know, look, I mean, I'm I'm looking at Matt; his forehead's looking less red. So after his eight hours out in the middle of the riots, he is recovering well. Um, and you know, gosh, you know, I getting a few days away from this. You know, a lot of stuff is kind of coming out, and a lot of angers also coming out. Really getting a good measure on how the community's feeling about what happened on Sunday. Um, and, you know, just driving around town today, it looks like we're preparing for a hurricane.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you if you go out, I mean, you shouldn't go out after dark because there's curfews and that's part of what's driving people crazy and, you know, that's just contributing to the stress. I'm not saying they are necessary, aren't necessary, but if you happen to be out after dark and you drive through downtown Santa Monica at night, it is very eerie. Not only is it dead quiet, but the businesses are all boarded up. And when you do see people on the streets, they're National Guard with rifles. Yeah. And I actually think it's a lot worse at night. The feeling, that feeling of stress and concern and what have you, is magnified in the evening. And when it's dark out. In the daylight, yeah. you're kind of like, oh, okay. People are like taking selfies with the Humvees. Yeah. In the evening, people are like, what the hell is this and where am I?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's eerie. And... And it's also a gamble. So if you go out and you try and get somewhere, not that I went out last night, but at the end of the day, I did, you know, went around and looked at, I you know, we heard the protest was coming up from Venice. So I drove down there and you don't know what roads are going to be closed. You know, at no. one point, third street was closed. Another point, main street was closed. Uh, and so it's, you know, just getting around, you know, look, nobody go out like where we have a curfew. Don't go out unless you're. Unless you have an emergency I mean, or... or you're, unless you're us, because we're, <laughs> we're
1: we're out all the time. You know, better or worse, we are. But, like, yeah. I had to pick someone up, you know, in downtown last... What was it Monday night? I can't remember. I had to go out in the evening, pick somebody up. And it, it was crazy. I had to make a bunch of right... Like, I, for, I could go down 4th Street heading south, but I couldn't come back 4th Street heading north. Like, that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Like, just one side of it was closed. Like, that made no sense. And it was a very weird
0: situation. And and such is the state that we're in today. And uh in today's podcast, uh Matt we got we got a we got a great interview. We have the two people that are in charge of, of most of the things we've been talking about, which is uh, the city manager, Lane Dilg, I should say interim city manager. Interim Lane city Dill, manager. And our police chief, Cynthia Renault.
1: Yeah. I mean I I, I so As time goes on, everyone's processing and thinking about these things. And one of the things that I keep circulating in my head is this situation on Sunday was a true test of and crisis in leadership. And that word gets thrown around a lot in elections and people talk about being civic leaders and leadership is a thing. And, you know, it's very amorphous and hard to pin down until something like this happens. Yeah. And you need to know who the F is in charge of what. Yeah. And like, That, I think, is a fundamental question that still people are resonating with. It's like, who was in charge? Who was making what decisions? Where were they being made from? When were they being made? Um, And we attempted to get some of those answers today. And I'll tell listeners right up front, I mean, A, this was a brief interview. We're still in the midst of an emergency, and we were able to get both of these true civic leaders on to give us a half hour of their time today. We had a half hour. Yeah. We did what we could in the half hour, so we were rushing through. I I would have much preferred to have ninety minutes, right, yeah. with each of them individually, <laughs> but we had a half hour for both.
0: In time. In time.
1: Yeah, we'll get there. Um, so we didn't get through everything. We didn't get to every answer, but there are some good answers in there. Are some answers in here? There are some. Yeah,
0: and it should, we should we should also tell you, you know, we are, everybody's still social distancing. We are still in the middle of the COVID pandemic, so. We didn't do this in our studio. We did this over uh, a service called Clean Feed and it was not ideal on their side and so the audio is audio's tough on this one. So yeah, just be patient. Ones. I did the best we I could to uh clean it up, but um you know, it's not our typical
1: not as good as it could it's not it's not up to our usual standards. Yeah. That's and then we'll we'll say that grandiose as if we have these grass, <laughs> you know, big old standards. Yeah. But but it's still listenable and Again there's good information in here like there were some yeah. people have had questions about when and how the National Guard showed up this answers those questions
0: right right and it should also be noted and or said that you know during a time of crisis the city leadership the structure of everything changes yep it becomes a military operation comes a top down with the city manager at the top and they make all the decisions and everybody follows suit downstream all right. Uh, yes,
1: I mean, I, I would argue that the the police chief is making you know, I don't think the city manager is making deployment decisions for the police and fire, right Like and this is yeah. where we, this is where we get into it, right like yeah and, and I would say up front, I am not hundred percent sure on who was deciding what when, right. We don't have an electoral system that puts the mayor in charge of making decisions in a situation like this, right the Mayor's a ceremonial position. It's staff members who would. So, But again, we didn't really get into this much with yeah. these folks. This is, this is more of our, our conversations we're having here. These, these, we're posing questions we're not answering in the podcast, which will make people grumpy. <laughs> but like, what, the podcast does give you some answers around some of the deployment questions. Yep. And it, for what it's worth, it, I think there's an interesting nugget in here. Like, I have a disagreement with the chief around a characterization of an event. Um, but I think when you get to the end of this podcast get to the end of the interviews, I actually think everyone should be on the same page about what happened. What happened, I think, is pretty clear. There is, I think, a diversity of opinion on why the decisions were made. I don't know if I want to spoiler people now by telling them what I think. Well, you know,
0: a quick synopsis is we had basically a three-pronged monster that came into our town. There was a peaceful protest, there was a angry protest, and then there was looting. Yes. Okay. I think we can all agree on that.
1: Yeah. And we I, and I think that there is an agreement that the police department deployed resources to the two protests and not to the looting. I I don't think that's really in that much of a question. They will say the chief did say they did attempt to thwart some looting and they they chased some people out of the mall and but, you know, at the same time 4th Street between Broadway and Arizona was decimated. Right. So, they didn't they didn't necessarily stop that the question is the threat assessment that led the police to focus its put its focus on the protest and less on the looters what was that threat assessment and that's what that's i think the point of divergence i think the police department believed that protest to be a vastly more significant threat than I believe sitting here right now, and probably as residents may have believed watching it via the helicopter. Sure. And I, I think we'll have more discussions about that. I think there's more information that the police department is probably in possession of regarding their regarding their threat assessment that we haven't heard yet. This is we're only three days out. There will be an official after action report that's gonna have a ton of detail in it. Yeah. But I do think That threat assessment is the current point of divergence between the police department and the general public.
0: Well, you know, there's some other really good nuggets in here. You know, when we were talking on, uh, what was that, Monday? Um, You know, there was this kind of disbelief, like how did they not see this coming? And we didn't know if they had seen it coming. We actually stated, like, they haven't said to us, we didn't see this coming. Yep. fact is, they did see it coming. They knew on Saturday night that this was coming and she actually states that in the podcast. So that's something that's there's a lot that's kind of blended in there but you know after after Matt did this interview um you know I listened to it in its entirety and Matt obviously was was there so he knows what everybody said and and there's some things to pull out there you know there some sometimes they go on for 4 minutes and you know finding that finding that really critical piece of information is is kind of key.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. Sometimes there are 4 minute answers that have a 20 second Like, you know, this
0: is what people want to know. This is the question that everybody's asking us.
1: And, and, but it's in there. And we I guess we could, we could summarize it into a five minute podcast for everybody. And maybe, maybe that's a product we'll come to at a later date. But for now, we want people to actually listen all the way through.
0: Yeah. So in the meantime, um, we're going to get into this, uh, y'all hang in there. Like, I know it feels like we are in, uh, you know, (laughs) like a hurricane Sandy's coming and everything's boarded up and businesses, my gosh. Businesses like local businesses. I, I don't even know what to say about that, except I have lots of friends that have them. Um, just like the COVID environment or the COVID uh, emergency, there's this question of whether insurance is going to cover this, uh, you know, hearts out to those local businesses. We will be doing some things moving forward to help those businesses. Uh, but just stay tuned for that. Um What else? Anything else here, Matt? No, I think that's it. We jump in. Okay. So, uh, Lane Dilg, uh, Interim City Manager and Chief of Police, Cynthia Renault. Let's get into it.
1: We're here with the city manager, Elaine uh, Dilg, and police chief, Cynthia Renault, and we're going to have some conversation about what happened in Santa Monica this past weekend with protests and looting and rioting. Um, we do have some limited time here. so. Folks listening may hear some, some may sound like we're a little bit rushed, but we are, but we're going to make sure we get as much information as we can out. So with that said, uh, thank you both for being here. Would you mind just introducing yourselves so folks can tell your voices apart?
2: So this is Lane Dilg, your interim city manager, and Cynthia Renault, your chief of police.
1: Great. Thanks for being here. Um, let's start right in. Uh, chief, how do you grade the city's response to this weekend's activities? Look, like if you give it a A through F grade.
2: Well, Matt, um, I think that uh, we didn't do as well as we could have, should have, or our community expects. We had many cases of individual successes, and uh, we had many cases of failures that, that I need to take responsibility for. We were faced with a unique situation um, with new tactics from people coming into the city to use a peaceful protest that then turned into some violent agitators and others who came in with the specific purpose of looting because they knew that we were, we were completely expended and, and, and trying to deal with those, those issues. Um, I can tell you that we owe it to our community to do better next time, me specifically. Um, and that we have learned from the tactics that are being deployed in this particular riot to adjust and keep our community safe as this crisis continues. Um, I've been in previous riots in my 29 years in law enforcement. This one is not like them. Um, There are peaceful protests. There are angry representations against social injustice. And systemic racial inequality that that can turn to violence and then there's what we have right now just people using that distraction to come in and perform wholesale looting against multiple businesses that they know low no law enforcement agency can stand a person at every single business in their city to protect it but you know SMPD needs to learn uh, and predict, um, learn from where we failed, and predict and make adjustments moving forward because we are still in this crisis, and our county and our nation is still in this crisis. Um, The media is replete with images of protests in Newport Beach, um, Los Angeles, Hollywood, just every city around us. So we are still in the middle of this crisis. And... SMPD, like I said, um, prioritized life and secured and defended and protected life, we also lost in many areas. Moving forward into the next few days, we're using that to inform our response model so that we can work to keep this community safe in the coming days.
1: Gotcha. Lane, how would you grade it?
3: So, you know, Matt, I want to thank the men and women of the Santa Monica Police Department who are out every day keeping our community safe. And I want to echo um, the police chiefs uh, giving them a strong A. Um, I uh, was on the ground uh, with the police chief some on Sunday. I was um, in the public safety facility. And I also was watching the local footage that many of our community members were watching. Um, The the training and techniques of our Santa Monica Police Department are extraordinarily strong and the individual tactical decisions that they were making for our city overall and individually on the street um, were challenging and complex. And I thank them for their service. I give them um, again an A for keeping our community safe. There was no loss of life in Santa Monica. Um, We regret every business that was lost um but we uh strongly believe that the primary um purpose of our law enforcement team is to keep our community safe and i'm deeply grateful to them for all of their
1: efforts to do so gotcha so you you mentioned tactical decisions let's start at the top what did you guys see sunday starting sunday morning when did you think there was a problem um how were decisions made on where to deploy officers?
2: So Matt, this is um, this is Cindy. We actually need to go back to Saturday night if we want to talk about when our decision-making started. So civil unrest kicked off Thursday and Friday in downtown Los Angeles um, in the Hollywood area, and we saw the civil unrest and the violence that was occurring there. Leading into Saturday, that became a different story because it turned from violence and, 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 and civil unrest, which was still occurring, but there also became this issue of mass looting. Santa Monica sent resources through mutual aid to Beverly Hills. We were very engaged there. I had two captains report into work Saturday night to manage that event. And at 10:30 at night, I had a conversation with the two of them and they said, hey, this is different This is there is a civil unrest component and there's a violent component and there's this new thing where there are people coming in coordinated caravan cars by checking social media to see where police officers are deployed and their their sole intent is to loot. So we adjusted our tactics immediately. We called in um, officers and overstaffed our department for Sunday. And we were prepared with a large contingent of officers for Sunday. Now, keeping in mind, the only specific information and the only specific intelligence that we had about the city of Santa Monica was that there was going to be a non-violent protest on Sunday. Um, and we wanted to work with our community on that because that, that's our role. Um, I, don't, I don't feel out of place at all in saying that I grieve for George Floyd, that I see what the rest of the nation did. I understand the feelings that it brings up about police community relations and and social equity. And the, the anger that is behind that and the need to express those sentiments are something that everybody at SMPD wants to provide for. And so we completely overstaffed for what was on social media as a peaceful protest. And then when I got into work on Sunday morning, um, that peaceful protest, according to the online, had been canceled. Uh, but even with that, um, my staff before Sunday morning had put in a call to our LA County um, area for mutual aid and put them on standby that we were we were um, we had a peaceful protest planned. Um, We had a briefing um, at 11 or so, uh, probably 11.30, finished the briefing and deployed our our resources out into the field. By 12.15, our officers in the field were calling us um, at the command post saying that this felt different. I immediately authorized putting the department on tactical alert. So we called in every officer that we could and we let the, which is half, we already had almost half the department here. We called in the remaining few, and then we called the other half and let them know that they were to report in at 6 p.m. and that the entire department was on 12 hour shifts, 12 on, 12 off, with no days off. And that was done by, by 12.30. Um, we then had a crowd out there and people who still wanted to protest peacefully. Uh, we had a group of them that, that held hands and formed a line in front of the police officers because members of the crowd were, were being so violent.
1: Uh, where was that?
2: Uh, that was along Ocean Avenue.
1: Like I'm ocean sorry, it was on and...
2: Montana. Montana near
1: Ocean. And what time was that, roughly? Do you know?
2: It was about uh, 1230. Okay. So um, the crowd then... Uh, I'm sure that there were still peaceful people inter- interspersed with that crowd, I have no doubt. Um, but the majority of the crowd were very agitated, um, and uh, I don't think it showed on some of the media news. But the crowd was throwing rocks and bottles at the police officers. Um, one of the motor officers, they attempted to pull him off of his bicycle. They were firing M eighties at the police officers. They they were a violent crowd.
1: At, at Ocean and Montana.
2: Yes. Uh, at sorry, one one seventeen p.m. roughly. Um, that crowd is the crowd that ended up on ocean in front of the pier. So we had a large contingent of officers that were dealing with the crowd. And the reason why we stayed with that crowd is because if they're violent towards the police officers, they're going to be violent towards the community. And we couldn't leave that unattended. We did have assets as much as possible along at uh, Santa Monica place. At Third Street Promenade, um, on Fourth Street, and and some of the corridors in between, and we had also had a mutual aid response to the city at that time from Culver City, Beverly Hills, uh, Redondo Beach, um, and those officers were doing very valiant things. Um, they we had officers at um, the vans where they cleared out some looters at 1:30, but. They got called to another store. And as soon as they left, looters came back. We had officers respond to the Bank of America at 4th and Arizona and save that from looters. Um, We had observations. We had looting on 4th street at Les Miller. Uh, We had our officers run to that area and clear out that location. And we responded to the Nike store to clear that out, but then got called to another location and they came back. Um, We were at Bloomingdale's, got into foot pursuits and made arrests for looting at Bloomingdale's. But this leads to the third issue that we were dealing with, which is this tactic that has been unique to this particular civil unrest situation in which people are looking to see where officers are deployed and solely for the purposes of looting, they're getting into cars in coordinated efforts and driving to these locations one person drops off people or drops them off nearby and people run in and loot and leave and then more people drive in to the city and it continues Um, we closed our freeway with chp's help by probably two o'clock in the afternoon we attempted to stop the entrance routes into the city and continued to call for mutual aid uh, the Los Angeles police department was extremely involved in their own city and they couldn't send us any resources for a while. And so was the Los Angeles County sheriffs. But when they got their, their jurisdictions under some semblance of control, they helped us out immensely, but it, it did take some time before they could come in. So I, I see what everyone else saw. I was watching the media feeds like everyone else and And I know what it looked like. What I can tell you is, we had a plan. We had deployed. We had a full deployment of SMPD plus our mutual aid resources. And the officers out there were engaged. they were uh, They were taking rocks and bottles. They were making um, they were making impacts. They were uh, in pursuit of looters. Every single officer was working. But with these loads coming in, the number of officers is what we have, but the number of suspects coming in kept growing and growing and growing.
1: Sure. So let and me Matt, say a couple if things. If I can speak
3: oh. to that a little bit as well, you asked earlier um, about a letter grade, as um, as though we were, you know, uh, judging a, a test here, and I want to speak to that a little bit because when you look at this overall situation. There there was an extraordinary challenge in that, as the Chief mentioned, there was a peaceful protest and we support and amplify those who are calling for structural change in our society. There were individuals within that protest who were violent and not law-abiding. And then there were organized, synchronized looters coming in and taking advantage of the fact that our law enforcement resources were deployed to address the protest. With all of those things combined, the strategic calls within the public safety facility at the mobile command center and on the ground by the individuals were extraordinarily complex and difficult. And there's no question that the Santa Monica Police Department, that we will continue to do after action to determine exactly what happened, to review it, to learn from it. Um, But at the end of the day, we really do, want to express support for the men and women of the Santa Monica Police Department who were working so hard to keep this community safe, to make sure that there was no loss of life in our community, to protect our community's most valuable assets, um, and to ensure the public safety overall. And with with all of that, it is an extraordinarily complex situation, and we want to be sure that the community knows that the priority at all times is public safety. So this was um, a very difficult moment for our community. It was a very difficult day and night for our community. We are committed to continuing to protect the public safety, continuing to reflect on that day and and the response and, and our efforts going forward in the days and weeks to come, but also to engaging the community in the recovery that needs to happen. So, um, working together with the businesses that lost property to try to help them to recover, but then also working with our community to move us through what is essentially the combined effect of three different uh, major historic emergencies, a public health emergency, an economic emergency, and then a, um, a moment in our society where there are many calling for structural change to our governmental and social systems. And as we look at all of that together, um, what we are looking for is community engagement to bring our community forward together. And that is the area where I believe that as a small city, we have a tremendous amount of opportunity to work together um, to determine what what is it that we are rebuilding in this moment.
2: And Matt, if if I can add something there, I am, my officers did a Herculean effort that day I saw them, I, I was out with them uh, in the downtown area. They they put themselves in jeopardy. Um, with that, I don't think there's any one of us that feels that, our res- that, that, that we didn't want to do better. Um, I had to make a tactical decision that day with the resources I had at hand, outnumbered by this new tactic of fresh suspects coming in via carload just to loot all throughout the city from 4th Street moving out to the east city limits. And with the resources we had with our mutual aid partners, with everything that we had staffed up for, um, from Saturday night to Sunday morning, uh, we had to decide priorities and we prioritized life safety. We had the violent people um, attacking officers. We couldn't let that get out into the community and we also had officers staged in the downtown area to prevent looting and they did prevent looting. But with that we have the painful reality that we knew we weren't going to be able to save every storefront or every business. We planned for it. We did everything we could to protect lives and businesses in the city and our community sustained damages. Every broken window fire and loss of goods hurts. I was watching the media along with everyone else And I can understand the perception because there were certain things shown. And I know Matt, that you were going through the city on your bicycle. And I'm sure that you have perceptions of so many physical areas in the city where police officers were not present. Police officers were present in several other locations and did stop a mass amount of looting, but even with that, we still lost businesses and to them, we apologize. Uh, Every officer worked as hard as they could that day.
1: Sure. And so if if I can, let me tell you what I saw, right, because the information that you've you've just described, particularly about the Montana and ocean folks is not what I saw. And and what I what I saw creates a very different impression. Right. So let me let me walk you through it. I was out starting at 11 a.m. at ocean and montana and i watched the crowd grow and i watched them protest for many hours Well, i said many hours about an hour they were peaceful and i did not see at any point someone assault an officer touch an officer what i did see there was one individual who did at one point there was a caravan of police cars that came down the street one individual stood in front of those caravan and yelled at them as the pro- protest moved on, they covered ocean, they clearly obstruct the street, they were passionate. I didn't see any police on ocean. What happened was, after the sort of climax of the protest, they tried to move north on Montana. And there was a skirmish line waiting for them of six to eight officers, and then another contingent of motorcycle officers showed up. That line formed. Those protesters were passionate. They yelled. They were uh, yelling obscenities at some points. But I did not see any act of violence. I didn't see anything thrown. I didn't see anyone touch an officer. I did see those people line up and hold hands. But when they lined up and hold hands, that was early in that situation. And that was before they got intense in an officer's faces. And I, I watched that whole interaction go down. And I thought, all right, it's intense, but peaceful. And then the officers bugged out. The officers all pulled out of that location and went somewhere else, right around one thirty, Because I was on my bicycle, I got calls and texts that said, Santa Monica Place is being looted. And I was able to get from, like I said, it was one thirty when I got that text. At three o'clock, I was in the mall with the looters watching them loot, essentially uninterrupted. Now, I hear what you're saying, officers may have been in and out, but at 3 o'clock, there was lots of looting happening. And, and then I saw a large column of officers, 50 to 100. It's hard to tell because they were on multiple levels of the mall. They marched through the mall en masse, flushed out all the looters. Those officers then lined up, uh, pointing towards the promenade. And I was like, I thought, all right, this is over. There's the show of force. Those officers are taking care of this. Um, I then left them all, and I did see the officers guarding the promenade, and I fully acknowledge the promenade was spared much of the damage. I think there's one store, uh, Shoe Palace, that was looted and burned, but much of the promenade totally spared. However, I then got to 4th and Broadway and was like, holy crap. This is a full riot. And I watched a contingent of motorcycle officers pull up, scare some looters away, and then ride away again, and, of course, looters came right back. But as I rode around between 2nd and 4th, between 3 and 4 p.m., I didn't see a single officer along those streets. And I saw people being beaten in the streets. I, I did see those caravans of looters coming in, absolutely. But what sticks in my mind is where did those column of officers from the mall go? Because they, I was there with them, and they didn't follow me onto 4th Street, and there was a lot of them. And it seems like they were uh, repositioned east to watch the watch the protesters or reinforce that skirmish line that formed in front of Tongva Park. And so the impression I have, what my personal experience told me, is that the police department was vastly more interested in a show of force against protesters who may have by that point become violent, but weren't, I would say, weren't as violent or as dangerous or committing as serious a crime as I was surrounded by on 4th Street. It, my impression is the police department chose chose to have a confrontation with protesters instead of handling the looting. And I know I'm not alone in that impression. That's what many, 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 many people think. I mean, there's 30,000 people that have signed the petition calling for you to be fired, chief. So this is a huge impression that people saw. Can you tell me I'm wrong? Can can you dispel that impression that the police chose to skirmish with protesters instead of solving the looting problem?
2: So it's interesting because um, you saw exactly what I talked about. Our tactic was that when the protest on Montana was peaceful, you saw every officer leave and those officers responded to calls of looting at Bloomingdale's and chased out looters and made arrests. We were completely deployed on a three prong issue and the protesters that you did not see that our officers were dealing with were indeed violent, as I've already described. And had they left that protest area, they would have taken that violence out into the community. You talked about seeing people who were being impacted by criminals coming into the city to do criminal activity. And our police officers were actively deployed all through the downtown area in preventing that and rescuing citizens, along with addressing the looting issue and the people coming into the city. So we, there To answer your question, there was a tactical decision, yes, to prioritize life safety, and that's what Santa Monica did, and that's borne out through some of the, the rescues that we made, the violence is borne out through the rocks and bottles being thrown at police officers and the aggression towards us and towards citizens, and so um, we had a person with a gun at 4th and Broadway that we arrested and reports of shooting at several locations that we were responding to all over the city. And so we did prioritize life safety first.
1: And, and I'm not disputing that that oh, sorry, I'm not disputing that officers were in danger at some point. I saw an officer got hit in the head with a bottle. Um, I was near a store for a significant portion of time where the owner appeared to be shooting at people or at least making sounds that sounded like he was shooting at people and people were scattering um i I definitely saw at certain points rocks being thrown i saw like i say saw an officer got hit in the head with a bottle so i did see that and what i'm hearing i guess what i'm translating your words in my head what i'm hearing is that the scale of the problem was so large that it was, in your determination, impossible to save everything. And the, I, I, I think we're using different words, but I think we're describing the same situation. You felt the protesters at Ocean and, call it Colorado, like by Tonga Park and the Pier, you made the determination that that protest was a significant enough threat that it posed a greater danger to life and property— than the activities that were occurring on 2nd and 4th.
2: Well, you know, they burned two cars in the area. Um, They attacked the courthouse and tried to set it on fire. We We had to use a fair amount of our resources to try and contain that crowd so that that violence didn't leak out. And that led to that third problem that I talk about with people coming into the city in vehicles specifically to loot we had mutual aid fully deployed so santa monica police department was fully deployed but as i said before we had immediately we had resources and police officers from culver city beverly hills redondo beach
1: i saw santa Ana.
2: yes santa barbara county sheriffs santa maria police this was On a daily basis, the Santa Monica Police Department protects this community and we handle crisis and we're prepared for that. This was an unprecedented scale that had a three-prong issue to it. And Santa Monica is not alone in in struggling to have a certain number of officers, as many as we could possibly get, deal with an outnumbered and continually flowing in suspect population and we're not alone in that as as you can see um, several cities had had buildings burned down and substantially more damage and looting than Santa Monica did but even with that as I said earlier every business that was lost is a loss and SMPD did and our mutual aid partners did everything that we could to protect it Um, there's there are so many businesses and storefronts in this city. And at the end of the day, even in all of Los Angeles County, only a certain number of police officers. It was us. It was all of our mutual aid partners. It was an all out effort with the priority on saving life.
1: When was the National Guard called? And
2: Matt, if I can
3: speak there as well, I think, you know, I, I want the community to know that we as a city and we as a community value peaceful protest not just as important, but as integral to who we are as a democracy. The right of people to have their voices heard is paramount to who we are, and we support and protect that. And that is part of what SMPD was out there doing that day. The the challenge that was encountered was this organized, synchronized um, looting effort that, that changed the dynamic in a significant way and the the multiple ways in which public safety became at risk as well as many of our most important civic structures and buildings and putting all of that together I think there's no question that we need to continue to have community conversations and we will continue to look after action particularly as we look at our mutual aid partners and continue to draw information from across the region and from what happened in Santa Monica on Sunday night but I do think that that moving forward um, we, we do need a conversation about that and there there obviously are a lot of people who saw different vantage points of this particular night and it's a night in our history. So, um, you know, this this will be part of Santa Monica's history. I think the way we move forward from it is one of the most important things here. How do we as a community move forward from it together and particularly importantly, as a small city with shared values, how do we articulate those values and work together um, to to work on ways that we can live up to them and continue to do the competing and difficult work sometimes of keeping our community safe and protecting lives within the community, as well as protecting the right to peaceful protest. And that um, that is an ongoing challenge. It's a challenge playing out across the country. Um, and, and like I said earlier, I I just wanna send um, my gratitude not only to those who were peacefully protesting and are working to try to bring structural change in our society, but to the men and women of Santa Monica Police Department who were on the ground in extraordinarily challenging circumstances trying to make decisions that would save lives in our community.
1: And, and let me follow up on that real quick. Uh, are, is, are peaceful protests welcomed in Santa Monica today? You Absolutely. said, we, so yesterday there was protesters going up and down Venice and Abbott Kinney in various places. They were by all accounts peaceful. And at multiple times, SMPD established barricades, skirmish lines, significant presences on the city's border that prevented, uh, anticipated those protesters coming this way and at a minimum discouraged it and probably prevented it. Like, That doesn't seem to jive with the idea that peaceful protest is welcome.
3: We absolutely anticipated those protests at this point. We absolutely anticipate that even a peaceful protest can have unlawful activity that again exploits that peaceful protest. And there's no question that Main Street and and our beloved restaurants and businesses on Main Street are um, institutions that are important to us as a community. That protest was not stopped from coming into Santa Monica. We did have a curfew in place at 2 p.m. Um, and at 2 p.m. Uh, our curfew was in place. Prior to 2 p.m. Uh, there there was no curfew in place. So we absolutely at this point are anticipating that protests could be coupled with unlawful activity and we're doing so in order to keep our community safe. But peaceful protest is welcome and will will always be welcome and invited in Santa Monica
1: so there's already a social media call for a protest uh, today's Wednesday so it will be tomorrow Thursday at 8 a.m. on Main Street is that protest going to be allowed to occur yes as long as it doesn't turn violent and there's no uh, looting or criminal activity
3: that's exactly right we will anticipate we will be prepared for any unlawful activity, we will hope to work with the organizers of that protest to maintain peace, to maintain public safety across the nation. We heard former President Obama um, uh, today calling for um, for peace and justice, but we are looking for um, you know we are looking for those things together. We will um, try to, if that protest occurs, work with the organizers of that protest and and with those who are there to facilitate a peaceful protest that also ensures the safety of the members of the public.
1: So I appreciate that. And I want to go back real quick to a couple of points because I know we're running out of time, but I think these are essential points regarding preparation and ability to handle the the scale of the protest and, and crime wave that we experienced. So can someone tell me when was the National Guard called?
2: Uh, I called for the National Guard, probably shortly uh, after I initiated my tactical alert. So probably by Um, One thing I have to point out about the National Guard is it's a military asset and military assets have very little place in communities. National Guard cannot be called in until mutual aid resources in the county are exhausted. I put the call in uh, very early because I knew we were going to need it. And um, the National Guard was very well requested already by LAPD and by LA County sheriffs. Um, Their situations had begun before ours. They were very heavily involved in that. And by the time the National Guard arrived, it was shortly after 8 p.m. But it was a constant call, uh, not only from myself, but from our interim city manager as well to the command post. Um, I had my command post calling their command post and uh, she and I were both calling our contacts in Sacramento uh, and uh, doing everything we could. Um, In crises, I mean, things don't go perfectly and smoothly and um, the National Guard did not get here until 8 p.m. But it was not because we were not calling for them. We, We did and called repeatedly to check on their arrival time
1: and I think you made an interesting point there that I was unaware of, and I think most people are. In order to bring in the National Guard, you have to have exhausted your calls to neighboring agencies.
2: There is an L.A. County mutual aid system that the sheriff's office brokers, and there are specific protocols in place that, um, uh, that detail all of this, and it's way too voluminous to me, for me to go over now. That sure. military is a last resort in, in, in a community of, of, of people living.
3: And if I can speak briefly, Matt, to the National Guard. What the National Guard uh, does is it simply protects buildings like City Hall, iconic locations like the pier, and provides a strong presence there. The, um, the police work that is being done continues to be done by the Santa Monica Police Department and their mutual aid partners. So the, the National Guard is a strong presence that allows us to deploy resources which are important to making those tactical decisions in order to promote the public safety and maintain the right of peaceful protest. So, um, so the National Guard is, is not a police force, they are um, stationed at various locations to allow deployment of our resources um, to ensure that, that policing can be done in a manner that is safe for all. And one of the things I'm not sure we've said on this call, but I do wanna be sure everyone hears loud and clear, is that the, the top priority is to protect human life. Um, it's to protect the community. And, and that, that was very much done on Sunday night. So that is, um, um, that is the primary objective and to have our police officers deployed in a way that they can a- interact in a positive, in a calm and in a peaceful manner. Um, with everyone across the board, um, protesters and uh, members of the community alike, and the National Guard supports that by um, by protecting certain assets without, uh, protecting certain community buildings and, and institutions, they do not actually do any police work.
1: I understand that, and, and I should also say in regards to the protecting of human life, I understand that that was done well, right? People weren't shot in the streets, they could have been, um, they weren't, neither by police nor by the other looters, and I should also want to say regarding our police officers and their response, at one point when I was in the mall, I was taking photos, looters, what have you, um, a San Juanica police officer popped out of the Bloomingdale's fully armed, gun in hand, a couple of feet from me, and it was certainly like a clenched cheeks moment probably for both of us, but he didn't point that gun at me and... This may open up the whole discussion about racial bias, and I understand that. But he didn't point that gun at me. He didn't immediately resort to violence. He popped out of the window, told me to get the hell out of there, and I did. But I think that's worth noting that there was an officer who could have justifiably been more aggressive than he was, and I think that should be mentioned. Um, I, I do want to go to one other quick point around this preparation, though because on Monday, for example, and I'm not even a big social media person, so I understand this is going to sound silly to people who big social medias, but I literally went to Google, typed in hashtag Santa Monica, and in all of 30 seconds, I found social media posts that were advertising for the looting of Santa Monica on Sunday at various times. You know, one of them was 4 p.m. And so it seems that there was a specific activity and advertising of the looting and that is also sticks in my mind it's hard for me to look at what happened and even even if even if Santa Monica was overwhelmed it seemed like there was ample notice that this was going to be a giant problem and it still feels to me that the police department didn't respond quickly enough strongly enough like I am still struggling to understand how there can be public messages to come and loot the city, and we as a city are unable to stop that happening. Like, just if someone tells me tells me they're going to come and rob my house at four o'clock, like I'm there at four o'clock. Yeah. Right. Matt.
2: Matt. I I want to reiterate that Sunday night at ten thirty, I authorized overstaffing this police department dramatically and we had saturday night saturday night at at 10 30 p.m and on sunday by 12 20 anybody else who hadn't already been called in was called in and we had mutual aid resources in our city so i think the point i'm trying to make is that we prepared and we deployed and we prioritized life saving this tactic of consistent vehicles coming into the city with people intent on looting and only looting overwhelmed the city of long beach the city of los angeles the city of beverly hills west hollywood on and on and on and on and on and it's a tactic that that we've really been adjusting to to ensure that 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 we stop that in the future but all of us were here and all of us were working. We had a three pronged problem.
1: Gotcha. And, and I know I have to let you go and I will. But the other point that's being made is where were people when this was happening? And so can you guys just describe to me your physical whereabouts starting Sunday morning? Like where were the two of you as things happened?
3: Sure, Matt, I can answer that. Uh, I came into City Hall and then walked the protest. Um, and uh, was with the protesters briefly. I, uh, after that point, after I came back um, and as things were growing, I was in um, City Hall. At at one point I was in my office and there were protesters outside City Hall. And I was in the public safety facility um, for for much of the day. I was at the mobile command post during parts of the day. um, And I was out on 10th Street with the chief and Captain McLaughlin uh, in a car looking at the situation and the response and our mutual aid partners, um, uh, later in the evening. So, um, I was in many locations
2: and, uh, I was physically here as well, both, um, at the station for the briefing, um, out in the field with the officers heavily at the command post with, uh, the tactician who was directing the response of, um, officers with, uh, the, some of the violent crowd. And then I was out in the field with my officers all night. Um, I didn't leave until Monday at 9 p.m and matt i think if because we do have to go if i can um also say i think the the
3: question of where we were uh or where uh, where were you is an important one i think the question for our community is where are you going to be going forward so we know that we need um, to continue to do after action to continue to look at the actions of sunday to make sure that we learn from them as we always do that we move forward and we move forward as a community so you mentioned your individual experience, we will continue to hear from individuals about their individual experiences and we we take that very seriously. I think we also as a community have continuing difficult work to do to address why people are in the streets across our country, engaged in these protests, what we as a city and as a community are going to do about it to bring about the structural change that people are calling for and how we're gonna build together, not just an economic recovery, um, but a community recovery that brings us together and that unites us in the goal of moving forward um, to be the Santa Monica
2: whose values we have always represented. And Matt, if I can add to that, I'll speak on behalf of the Santa Monica Police Department and say that we're extremely frustrated with the businesses that we lost. We're happy that we had no loss of life Uh, And we look forward to working with the community to rebuild.
1: Gotcha. And I I know our time's up. You you guys are going to go. So I want to say thank you for being here. I do appreciate it. I appreciate you guys taking the time. Um, And hopefully we'll have some time to talk about this stuff again in the future.
2: Thank you, Matt.
1: Matt. Thanks for joining us today on Inside the Daily Press.
3: Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere. Music for the Inside the Daily Press podcast is brought to you by The Brig Band. The Brig Band is an LA jam band that has been playing live since 2002. Regular members and guests have played professionally with everyone from Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, and Stevie Wonder to The Doors, Fishbone, and Steely Dan. To find out where and when you can hear them live, head to thebrigband.com.